1: But if you want to listen ad free, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get exclusive bonus episodes. For more information, check out the show notes. Now, enjoy the episode.
2: And now, presenting Rattled and Shook.
3: I'm April. And I'm Meredith. And this is Rattled and Shook, a podcast where we tune into scary stories and discuss our deepest, darkest fears, but in a fun way. Okay, here we go. Our first story is a little backwards.
4: This happened a few years ago when I briefly moved back into my childhood home so I was in a neighborhood I was obviously very familiar with. That goes for most people living there as well. One day I was out walking my dog. He's a German Shepherd and a pretty large guy. Because of this, I'm always aware of my surroundings. I know not all people feel comfortable with such a big dog, so I try to keep my distance unless someone is interested. Even then, I will keep a close watch on how others interact with him. It's a very nice day, so I was sure I would see some people out taking a walk. And of course I do. I see this guy who's walking ahead of me, no dog, coming in our direction. As a courtesy, I was going to move to the other side of the road, but the guy beat me to it. He kept heading towards me, but now on the other side of the street. The closer he got to me, the slower he started walking. I thought it was a little strange. Then it got real weird, because just as he started to get close enough to me to make out his facial features, he turned around and started walking backwards, but still towards me, full-blown walking backwards. And this wasn't a short distance either. I'd say maybe an entire block. I started walking faster because I just wanted to get past him and cut down the next upcoming street. I was going to go home, but after seeing him start to walk backwards, I decided to walk right past my house. Like hell, I wanted him to know where I lived. Finally, he was directly next to me on the other side of the street. I didn't want to draw attention to myself by turning to look at him straight on, but I was definitely trying to see who this guy was. Well, as soon as he was parallel with me and in a position for me to get a good look at his face. He turned in the opposite direction, away from me, and resumed walking normally, facing forward again. I only ever saw the back of his head. Obviously, I am creeped out. I mean, who does that? I walk around for a bit and don't see him again, so I decide to head home. I live in a corner house, so I can see very clearly down all the streets. I didn't see him or anyone else, so I felt pretty safe to go inside. I still hurry though, because I have a sinking feeling that I'm being watched. As soon as I close the door, turn the lock, and unhook my dog's leash, there's a knock at my door. It was like 10 seconds after I got into the house. My heart sinks and I look out the peephole. There he is, standing on my porch with his back towards the door. The knock was loud. I had just gotten inside the house, so he must have known that I was right there on the other side of the door. My dog was barking and going crazy, but I just stood there, waiting to see what he would do next. He stood there for a while, I'd say at least three minutes, which feels like forever in a situation like that. I went to my window and cautiously took a picture of the back of his head and him standing there. Then, as I started debating whether or not to call the cops, He just walked away. He walked down the street, away from my house, until he was out of sight. I believe he was around the side of my house waiting for me when I got back from the walk. It's the only explanation for how he got to my door so quickly. Who knows what he wanted, or what he would have done if I had opened that door. I mean, my large dog wasn't enough to deter him, so who knows what was going on. I just know he certainly wasn't acting normal. The creepiest part is, I still don't know what he looks like. Through all of this, I never saw his face, so I won't know if I ever see him again.
3: This story is called Backwards Man, and I was really hoping it would be a backwards man. It is a backwards man. What do you mean? No, I wanted like I wanted her to like look down and see that his body was facing the wrong way. Okay, I see. Instead, he just walks backwards. Not enough for you? Yeah, I wanted more spectacle. It's a spooky walk, though, isn't it? It is. It's a spooky walk. I don't know between this and smiling man. What do you think? Uh, Who would you rather face off with? I mean, this one feels a little bit more. Feels a little bit more possible. Hmm.
1: And by The Smiling Man, if you didn't hear that story or you aren't familiar, it's the story about this, like, uncanny valley guy that tiptoes around in these exaggerated steps and, like, smiles the whole time with, like, crazy eyes.
3: Yeah. I feel like The Smiling Man is is more omnipresent than this guy is, maybe. Like, this guy, you can, like, explain his movements more than The Smiling Man. Yeah, a little bit more possible. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, look, I don't want either of them. I don't want – uh. Tiptoeing man to start running at me <laughs> with a large smile. I think the faceless man thing is something that scares me no matter what. Like, you know, the mannequin effect of that. Yeah, is kind of freaky to me all over. Mm-hmm.
3: The image of someone approaching backwards—that's actually in an episode of uh, *Haunting of Hill House*, and there's this like spirit that keeps appearing to one of the main characters and he's out on the street and he can sense it out of the corner of his eye and it slowly kind of just like floats closer and closer and closer to him but while facing backwards as soon as it gets super close to him it slowly turns around but it's still blurry ooh that's freaky mm-hmm. that's an interesting visual but that's kind of what I was thinking about this whole time the
1: scariest part of the story to me is like my true crime brain plugging into the very last line where she's like, the worst part is I'd never know if I saw him. Yeah. You'd
3: know if you saw the back of his head though. Right. You should just, if you ever have to do a lineup, just have them, (laughs) have them line up backwards. But that would be a lot harder to identify.
1: Sure. There's fewer features back there. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe if you had blue hair.
3: Or if you had like a back of neck tattoo. Right. Or a mole a really bad sunburn. (laughs)
5: A word from our sponsors. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
6: Selling a little or a lot? to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
1: This next story comes out of nowhere.
2: My cousin is with the Forest Service in the Montana, Wyoming area, and I decided to go up there with her to literally test waters. She does hydrology and has to ride out to the middle of nowhere to test streams and snow runoff to ensure that there are no contaminants. So I thought that sounded fun and wanted to do a bit of a tour with her. We were going to have to camp out there for two nights, so we packed up all our gear and saddlebags or saddle bundles and started out. The first day and night were amazing. Beautiful scenery and amazing air quality. It really is so peaceful out there. We started out on the second day and my cousin said, you want to see something weird? I said, yes. So she led me out on a bit of a side journey into this tiny little ravine. We ended up traveling about two hours away from our actual path that we laid out. At the very end of this fold in the land, she dismounts and tells me to get off my horse too. We tie them up in this gorgeous little clearing, and she tells me to follow this tiny wildlife path and bring our little rechargeable radio. It's one of those radios you can plug in or wind up, and it also acts as a lantern if you really need it to, but that kills the batteries really quickly. Out of the middle of nowhere, there's a huge coil of wire sticking out of the ground. The wire itself is not weirdly large like some buried transmission wire, but instead it's small like 10 or 12 gauge wiring for a house. It trailed off into the brush and trees, so naturally, I decided to follow the thing out of curiosity. My cousin trails behind me as I do, and this wire, after coming straight up from the ground, is now strung across limbs of trees. Then it goes back to the ground, then it snakes around rocks, and finally dead ends into an outlet. The outlet is mounted on the side of a desk, It looks like a school teacher's desk from when I was growing up, with a metal base and a pseudo wood plastic top thing. There's no chair, no building, no nothing. Just this outlet and this desk. I am staring confused as hell at this desk in the middle of a forest when my cousin takes out the radio, pulls out the cord and plugs it into the outlet. That fucker lit up and started blaring static. The wire was being fed from somewhere. Now, the place where we were had no road access, no buildings for many miles and no other people around. And yet there was a live outlet, weird as shit. No spooky jump scares or bodies. Just one lone powered desk in the middle of the woods. I wish I had taken a picture of it now.
1: This is a really interesting one. I think for me this story is a little bit just more like perplexing like it feels very um, like Stranger Things-esque like there's a going to be a um, laboratory somewhere hidden nearby like it feels like that kind of story to me which I kind of enjoy.
3: Yes, this desk is like a decoy or something and there's some lever on it or some code that you have to punch in and then it opens up into an underground layer. Sure, honestly. I do uh, really want to know where that wire led. Like, wh- right,
1: there has got to be an end. That's what makes it feel like there's a laboratory underneath. That's what I would imagine. I
3: think that's the the explanation for this. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting sci-fi. I'm getting sci-fi. Mm-hmm. This story reminds me of other stories in this vein, where it's someone coming upon something in the woods that should not be there. Have you ever heard of like staircases in the woods? Stories? No, I've never heard of these. These are creepy pastas as well. There are a lot that cover this topic, which is someone coming upon a staircase in the woods, and I think often the staircase is sort of endless-looking or doesn't go anywhere or doesn't appear to go anywhere, like with the desk. I think there's a bit of like a surrealism there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And creepy pastas are internet scary stories, right? Uh, they tend to be fiction and. They touch upon very visceral, odd situations, very interesting.
1: I always feel like the need to define that because I'm afraid that someone's gonna be listening for the first time and be like, it's scary spaghetti, Mm -hmm. like what? (laughs) So this story reminds me of, uh, there's this place in Atlanta called the Doll's Head Trail. Mm -hmm. And it's this trail that after a certain point, it's just like all these dolls heads, like baby doll heads. Yeah. And little freaky sculptures made with baby doll arms and like their heads a toaster, you know? It's like this trail of broken toys. That's sufficiently creepy. And it's in Atlanta and I've been. It's kind of interesting.
3: Yeah. Oh, for sure. I did you take pictures? Oh yeah.
1: Maybe I'll post some pictures. Yeah. I'd like to see it. You would like it. Um if I'm not mistaken, it's like one guy found a bunch of doll pieces Mm -hmm. in this one area and other like rubbish and started making sculptures out of them. And then the park service in Atlanta was just like, okay, it's official now.
3: Right. That would be something that I would want to see, but it would also sufficiently creep me out. You want it to be planned. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like when I went to the Doll's Head
3: trails, like I knew it was there. Someone had told me about it. Yeah. Like imagine just walking along a trail And instead of a desk, it's like a tree with dolls' heads. Or it's just like one huge doll in the middle of a trail. Yeah, no, I would hate that.
1: I would not want to come upon it not knowing it's there. No, thank you.
3: That kind of reminds me of that island in Mexico. It's just an island of dolls. And the backstory behind it is way darker. Oh, Island of the Dead Dolls. Island of the Dolls, yeah. Isla de las Muñecas. Got him. Sorry if I butchered that. No, that was really good. Thanks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't you dare re-record that and plug it in. Uh, <laughs> it's a really sad backstory actually. Yeah, I'm reading the backstory. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it was this man who I don't know if it was for his daughter, but he kept collecting dolls on the island to appease this girl's spirit. Yeah, he found
1: he found the body of a young girl who drowned. Oh, okay. And then a doll came floating down the, like that's the story. And then a doll came floating down the canal shortly after. Mm-hmm. And then he started like finding the dolls and hanging them in the trees to appease the spirit, like you're saying. Okay. Then he was found like dead, drowned found in dead. the canal. Oh. And then people started doing the doll thing for him. Oh,
3: man. I didn't know that. Wow. Um, It's full of spiders, apparently. No, nope. that, that would be the thing that would Hard get me. No. Yep. Full of spiders. Yeah, I don't mind the
1: dolls so much as the spiders. Mm-hmm. Ugh, dolls' heads filled with spiders?
3: mm Coming out of the eye socket? <laughs> New fear unlocked.
7: And now, more words from more sponsors. Did you know that parents rank financial literacy as the number one most difficult life skill to teach? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app for families. With Greenlight, you send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and keep an eye on your kids' spending with real-time notifications. Kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. And parents can rest easy knowing their kids are learning about money with guardrails in place. Get your first month free at greenlight.com odyssey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for.
6: But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect
2: role, like me.
1: This next story is told to us by the person who experienced it. You could say it's a trip.
8: I have this condition called aphantasia, which is basically where I can't picture anything in my head or like when I close my eyes, I can't like imagine things. If someone says to imagine yourself on a beach, growing up, I thought that was, like, kind of a joke. Like, oh, like just, like, put yourself in the headspace of being on a beach, you know, relaxing under a palm tree. I didn't think anyone could actually, like, see that in their head. I was a really shy kid, so I didn't have a lot of friends or, like, stuff to do outside of school. I spent a lot of time just researching random stuff on the internet just to like, kind of fill my time. It was on one of those random sort of Google searches that I discovered what, like, lucid dreaming was. Go into a dream and almost, like, take control of it, you know? Like, you can make yourself fly or you can, like, visit different places. And I thought that would be super cool to do. So I decided to start trying to lucid dream. I remember one thing I read was, put yourself in the headspace of where you want to be. Before you go to bed, read about that place. Or, like, look at pictures of that place. or watch videos of people interacting with that space. I think I probably spent a solid like maybe month, month and a half, like every night, trying like all the tricks in the book. I was so frustrated, I was like, if it doesn't happen tonight, like I'm out. I get ready for bed, throw on my pajamas. I turn on a video of someone like on their trip in Tokyo because I had decided I wanted to try and lucid dream that I was walking through Tokyo turn all my lights off, get into bed. I turned on some like rain ambience on my phone. I had read that any sort of like white noise or like brown noise is really good for kind of getting your brain to dissociate a little bit or get in the headspace of lucid dreaming. I kind of felt myself starting to fall asleep. And then it's like lights out. I came to in this huge grassy field, like covered in wildflowers. And everything was so bright. Like everything was so saturated with color. It was like more color than I'd ever seen before. I remember looking around, started to get confused because I was at school. All of my classmates' desks were around me and they were all sitting there working as if this wasn't weird, as if this was completely normal to be in a field doing schoolwork. And that's when it clicked in my head. This is a dream and I know I'm dreaming and I haven't woke up yet. I can go wherever I want now. In that excitement, I just like really quietly whispered to myself, I'm dreaming. As soon as I said that out loud, it it was not a fun experience anymore because that's when the whole dream shifted. Right after the words come out of my mouth, I hear, a bunch of pencils drop. I look around, all of the kids in my class that were sitting at their desks. Their hands are hovering in the midair. Their pencils are like rolling off of their desks onto the ground. My teacher, she's got her back to us. Everyone is so still. Not even a hint of breathing. I notice the kid in front of me and the entire class are like starting to really slowly turn in their seats. Like they're being puppeted, turning, just fully spinning like 180. So slowly, just staring at me and their heads weren't moving any faster. Like it was their whole body turning to look at me. I felt my heart was racing and I'm like, I'm out. I didn't sign up for a weird horror movie experience. Like I just wanted to visit Tokyo. As soon as I was like, I'm done. I kind of felt myself pull out of the dream, woke up in bed, panting a little bit because I was like, that was a terrifying experience. I'm never doing that again. I sit up, better start getting ready for school. Go say hi to my mom. She's packing my lunch for school. Get dressed, pulling on my t-shirt, doing up my belt, brushing my hair. I can feel like all the knots in my hair. I must have been tossing and turning really hard. So I'm like kind of combing through my hair and in my head, I'm just going over like how cool it was to lucid dream, but how terrifying that experience was. And I grab my coat, I tug it on, kind of rush down this hallway and down the stairs, grab my lunch kit for my mom and just say like a quick love you, bye. Grab the door. And as soon as I go to turn the door handle, I am back in my bed, sitting up in my pajamas in like a cold sweat because I woke up again. What is going on? Like I just got ready. You know, I went and brushed my hair. Like I could feel the knots in my hair while I was brushing it. I brushed my teeth. I could taste the toothpaste in my mouth while I was brushing my teeth. I could feel everything. I could smell everything. I could touch everything. I could taste everything. It felt so real that I had woken up. I was so confused and terrified because I'm back in my bed. Everything had reset. I was shaking and I hear my mom knock on my door. And she's like, hello, are you awake in there? You gotta get ready for school. Your brother's already up, like you have to get ready. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm awake. I could hear her voice, she's like, okay, just hurry up. I remember sitting up and it finally hit me. I was like, oh, maybe that was the lucid dream So I think I pinched myself really hard a couple times just to make sure I was awake. And so I had to, you know, go and repeat everything I had already done, said goodbye to my mom, went to grab the door handle, I wake up again, in my bed, and my mom's sitting at the foot of my bed, crying, (laughs) bent over, sobbing into her hands. So I start freaking out and I like sit up, I reach over to her, I'm like, what's wrong? What is wrong, mom? She's just sobbing and just saying over and over again, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, he's not gonna do anything. Who's he? What is happening? I start shaking her like, what is going on? As I'm shaking her, I blink, I wake up again. My mom is again at the foot of my bed crying. She's repeating like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The man walks into my room. He is a doctor in like a white lab coat, the big briefcase with, you know, the medical symbol. He walks into my room and puts his huge briefcase down. He doesn't say anything to me. He starts opening up the briefcase. Inside of the briefcase, there are these huge syringes. My mom at this point, she's just repeating, he's not gonna hurt you, he's not gonna hurt you. Then my mom grabs my arm really hard, like holds it down, as this man steps over to me in my room with this huge syringe. I'm like freaking out now because I'm trying to shake my mom off, but I can't get her off of my arm. I'm just like, am I stuck here? Am I going to wake up? And when I wake up, how will I know I'm awake? He comes over and I'm like, all right, well, I guess I have to fight. And I just deck this doctor right in the nose. He crumples. I get up immediately from my bed and I grab my bedroom door handle and I go to open it. I wake up again. I'm still freaking out about what happened. I need to know if I'm awake. My walls are the right color. All my figurines are in place. Posters are in the right spot. And I look around, I'm like, OK, I'm awake. My mom opens the bedroom door. He's like, are you OK in there? Because you have to get ready for school. And I was like, one second. I get up, go right past my mom at the door. I go down the hallway, and I just go and stand on our deck. It's freezing cold in pajamas and I kind of breathe, finally, a real sigh of relief because I know I'm awake. (sighs) These series of waking up again and again and again, it's called false awakening. A person is asleep, pull themselves out of a dream, and they quote unquote wake up, but they're not really awake. Their brain's still kind of in that REM sleep. But they're aware enough in the dream that it feels like they're awake. It's essentially your brain tricking you into thinking you're awake. It's really terrifying to not know the difference between reality and what is your mind playing a trick on you. It's almost an annual thing, like every time it hits about January, February, I start to kind of get like a feeling in my gut of like, okay, it's around that time of year again where they tend to happen and they get pretty intense which stresses me out because I have to worry about every time I wake up for like a solid three months after a nightmare. Am I awake or am I in one of my false awakenings?
1: Hi. Hey. What's up? (laughs) Um... (laughs) Just listen to a story. <laughs> what if what were you doing? <laughs> so this story actually was recorded with a radio rental listener, Brooke. Hi, Brooke. And so this is Brooke actually telling her story. Harrowing story, Brooke.
3: Harrowing story. I mean, really, I think Brooke needs a totem, a totem, like a totem pole? A totem, like an in inception, you know? Oh. Yes, so that she knows that she's awake. I'm sorry, I
1: wasn't there with you.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I
3: I took a- a, You took
1: a leap to the Christopher Nolan movie. That's, I get it. (laughs) I thought immediately of you when we received the story. Mm -hmm. I can see why. it sounds like she doesn't sleep very well. Uh Uh-uh. Which reminds me of my good friend April.
3: Yeah, I can identify with Brooke- So I have experienced false awakenings before, not to this degree. This is pretty uh, wild, the amount that she had and in succession. But I've definitely had nightmares where I woke up or I felt like I had gotten myself out of the nightmare and then I slipped back into sleep and it felt like I went right back into that nightmare. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah,
1: I've done that before where I've woken up after a nightmare and then gone back to sleep and then started having the same nightmare. And I was like, no,
3: yeah, no. It was like last time on April's Nightmare.
1: (laughs) Previously on April's Nightmare.
3: Yeah. (laughs) The aphantasia, that's very interesting. I've never heard of that before. I didn't know someone could have that.
1: Me neither. And so I understand why you'd be like so obsessed with lucid dreaming
3: then. Right. Because
1: you're like, that's how I can picture it by just experiencing it.
3: Yeah, That does make me think of, especially in relation to dreaming, have you heard this before that you can't imagine a new face? I've heard that. You can't create a new like person's face in your mind. It always draws from something you know. We're all just like AI programs at heart where we're just like- <laughs> It's all just binary
1: code in here. We're like, this person looks like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> That's all I could pull up yeah. at the moment.
3: Do you feel like you've ever experienced- lucid dreaming? I mean, maybe I've had some dreams where I knew it was a dream. I have, I've definitely been aware that I was dreaming and if it's not a good dream, I try to, you know, you blink really hard. Do you ever try to do that where you like close your eyes really hard in the dream and you think that's gonna get you out of it? No, I've definitely cried
1: and woken up crying. Mm, I've done that too. Because I wanted to be out of the dream so badly. Right. I have had dreams before where like somebody that I love is like possessed by an alien. Like I know that it's their body, but they're not being the way that they should be. And I will be like frustrated. Yeah. Like I'm interacting with their body, but it's like I'm aware of the fact that they are not the person that I love, even though they look like them. Oh, wow. And I will cry and I will wake up. Oh, man. So tell me what it means. If anyone knows what it means, please tell me what it means.
3: Is it a specific person every time?
1: I remember one where it was my mom, who I'm very close
3: with. Do you want to know my interpretation? Let's go. Tell Um, me. I mean, this is the obvious take, but it's just like the idea of that person not being the same person to you anymore is very terrifying. 100%. The fear of losing someone who's very um, integral to your life and who you rely on, who do you depend on emotionally. Yep,
1: that adds up. That fully adds up. And I do think that's right because I love my mom. She listens. Yeah, I can tell. You can tell that my mom's listening? <laughs>
3: I can tell you love your mom. Where should you say, I love my mommy? <laughs> I still call my mom mommy. I call her mom. You don't love your mom if you don't still call her mommy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you don't love your mom if you don't have dreams about alien body snatchers.
3: <laughs> it's funny that you say specifically alien body snatchers because in that same vein, I've had dreams about a loved one who just unexpectedly turns on me for no reason. And in that dream, I need to keep the door locked or keep the door closed to prevent that person from getting into the room where I am. So your loved one has turned? They've turned, but it's like kind of, instead of like an alien taking over their body, it's more like they've gone rabid. Maybe like more of like a zombie situation. Oh
1: yeah, that feels Last of Us-esque. Yeah.
3: It's like a dog turning on its owner, you know what I mean? Yeah, that stuff
1: is <laughs> freaky. That stuff is really freaky. Yeah. Yeah, I find uh, like in her dream, in Brooke's dream, the moment where they all turn around and it's like, and they all come to look at her. Oh, That was so good. So good. I don't know if you saw my face at that yeah, point. Yeah, I did see your face. I could see it. You were like, L- cannot wait to sound design that. Yes, let's do this. There better be some.
7: Eee. Oh, there will. <laughs>
3: This episode, is it desks in the middle of
1: the wilderness? Yeah. Yeah. This is the second story in this episode where there's a desk in the middle of a field. That's also why I looked at you that way. Yeah. Talk about new fear unlocked. Desk in the middle of the field, no good. Yeah. It's so funny that the repetitive part of the dream was just getting ready for school. I know. One time I had a fever dream where I all, and I remember this vividly because I was young. I had a fever dream where I could not stop dreaming about a boulder crushing a single blade of grass. Uh-huh. Isn't that weird? Is that, is that a thing?
3: What do you make of that? <laughs> that is weird, crushing a single blade of grass. Okay, so this is my interpretation. So.
1: <laughs> oh, I wish you could see her now, everyone. <laughs> Insufferable. When you go into diagnosis mode, you use your hands.
3: <laughs> I, d- I do, yeah. I use my hands a lot anyway, but especially in diagnosis mode. But anyway, you are the blade of grass and the rock, the boulder is life. Man, I had
1: problems when I was eight. (laughs) Rattled and Shook is a Tenderfoot TV production in partnership with Odyssey. Executive producers are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsey. Co-executive producer is Meredith Stedman. Hosted and produced by April Ruha and Meredith Stedman. Lead editor and sound designer is April Ruha. Additional production by Sean Nerney. Production management by Tracy Kaplan and Jordan Foxworthy. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Original art by Puppy Teeth. Follow us on social media at Rattled and Shook.